You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the Your Brain on Facts back catalog. I'm your host, Moxie Labouche. A little bit of context before the episode begins. For these early episodes, I was still learning to edit the audio. Some of them sound bad because I didn't edit enough, and then some sound worse because I edited too much. Please take the audio quality with a grain of salt and understand that it was growing pains. And now, our feature presentation. From a lone example of a trilobite in Hunan, China named Han Solo, to a butterfly pea flower reminiscent of a Georgia O'Keeffe painting named Quitoria Ternatae, the naming of species offers almost as much in the way of entertainment as it does scientific classification. Most of us know that the animals we call by a single name, such as horse, actually have a two-part name, in this case, Equus caballus. But did you know the official rules for naming species, set down by the International Commission on Zoological Nomenclature, are surprisingly simple? The name must not be overtly offensive and must be spelled with the Latin alphabet. That's basically it. The name can even be a nonsense string of arbitrary letters. In contrast, astronomical bodies, like stars, asteroids, and planets, have strict naming conventions overseen by committees. While there is an enormous wealth of name satisfaction to report on, from plants to drugs to telescopes, we're going to confine ourselves today to animals. My name is Moxie, and this is your Brain on Facts. For as long as we have had records, and probably longer, mankind has sought to classify the world around us in an effort to begin to understand it. This is called taxonomy, the study of the general principles of scientific classification from the Greek words for order or arrangement and science. Three centuries before the Common Era, Aristotle grouped animals first by similarities, such as where they lived, then hierarchically, with humans naturally at the top. Not every animal fit well into this system. Ducks posed a particular problem, as they had the bothersome habit of living in water, on the land, and spending time in the air. It would be 1,800 years before another natural philosopher, as scientists were called then, would try their hand, such as Andreas Casalpino, an Italian physician and botanist who sorted plants by the structure of their fruits and seeds. The first scientist to use a binomial, or two-name system, that we would recognize was Swiss botanist Gaspard Bowen, who grouped some 6,000 plants by genus and species in 1623. There were several inconsistent and sometimes conflicting systems of classification in use when Carl Linnaeus wrote his influential Systema Naturae in 1735, laying down the system we use to this day. Linnaeus was the first taxonomist to list humans as a primate, but he also originally classified whales as fish. All living things were sorted into kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. Many of us memorized that in middle school by way of a mnemonic, like King Philip came over from Great Spain. A house cat, for example, is Kingdom Animalia, Phylum Chordata, meaning it has a spinal cord, Class Mammalia, Order Carnivora, Family Felidae, 
genus Felis and species Catus. A lion diverges at genus Panthera, which awesomely means reaper of all, and species Leo, for the scientific name Panthera Leo. This system can be visualized as an enormous branching tree with its trunk very broad and its branches increasingly specific. We still name some animals in accordance with their appearance, with a little poetic license thrown in for good measure. The tiniest and most pastel of the armored mammals was christened the pink fairy armadillo. A hand-sized lizard with a gift or mimesis camouflage was given the moniker Satanic Leaf-Tail Gecko. Its actual religious beliefs remain a mystery. As advertised, the star-nosed mole has a burst of delicate sensory tendrils on the tip of its snout. Ossizaxis mucoflorus is an unappealing worm who lives off the bones of dead whales, which would explain its name, bone-eating snot flower. A bacterium that was taken to the International Space Station and exposed to cosmic radiation earned the Latin for Traveler of the Void. China boasts a salamander species that can grow to a whopping 1.8 meters or nearly 6 feet long. It goes by the name Hellbender, and this reporter, for one, will not argue with it. And then there's the Internet's favorite ichthys, the blobfish. Removed from water, a blobfish cannot maintain its body shape and collapses into a rather dour-looking puddle. Even with Linnaeus' taxonomy in place, we call some animals things they simply aren't. We all know that a seahorse is not a horse, and most of us know that koalas aren't bears. But did you know that a jackrabbit is not a rabbit, but a hare? That may seem like a nitpicky distinction to the layperson. But hares tend to live alone and don't live in burrows, and their young are born sighted with a full fur coat. Both animals come from the Leporidae family, but part ways when it comes to genus. Jackrabbits get their name from their exceptionally long ears, like a donkey or jackass. Dorsal finless, freshwater-dwelling electric eels are called knifefish, which sounds at least as cool. If you've ever found yourself watching Go Diego Go, possibly after your child has already left the room, you've probably seen the lanky maned wolf. It should come as no great surprise that this committee-assembled looking creature is not from the genus Canis, like gray wolves, jackals, and even domestic dogs, but has the genus Cryocyon all to itself. Red pandas are pandas, but giant pandas are not. Take a moment with that one. The adorable raccoon-like Allurus fulgens were the first to be called panda, which is believed to derive from the Nepali word panya, when the black and white Alluropolda melodoluca were discovered later, it was assumed that the two species were related, so they were dubbed giant pandas. They're from the family Ursidae, which includes all bears, but the giant panda is in fact the only living species in its genus. What we call a buffalo here in North America is actually a bison by genus, whereas the cape buffalo in Africa and the water buffalo of Asia aren't even in the same genus as each other, leaving common ground after their family designation of bovidae. There were also bison, now extinct, native to Europe, and they caused science much consternation when the development of mitochondrial DNA testing, that being the DNA passed down the maternal line, showed that European bison were not in fact related to the steppe bison of Eurasia as previously thought. The answer was finally revealed with the discovery of a hybrid species. They dubbed this the Higgs bison, a play on the headline-making Higgs boson. 
Never let it be said that scientists don't have a sense of humor. Slime mold is the primary food for a beetle discovered in 2004, so their genus was labeled jelly. The five new species are jelly bean, jelly belly, jelly donut, jellyfish, and jelly roll. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off. An eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Beetles will come up a lot, as they represent as much as 80% of all named animals. There is no shortage of puns. Take, for example, the species of petalid beetle, Eurogenius. Or what about beetles from the agrogenus, named agrophobia and aggravation? Or the wasp whose genus and species are, here's looking at you. Tiny mollusks called Itibidium, a parrot named Vini Vidivici, the water beetle, Etu brutus, and the cyphrid fly, Omia omaya, or the Pacific Island snail, Ba humbuggy. Scientists aren't just stuffy old men in thick glasses and lab coats poring over dry data sets. They're people with interests and hobbies outside of work. Sometimes these cross over. When arachnologist Peter Yeager discovered a new species of spider in Malaysia, that was covered with flamboyant red, orange, and yellow hair, he could think of no better name for it than Heteropoda David Bowie. A frog, two types of flies, and an isopod found near Zanzibar have been named after Freddie Mercury. A species of horsefly with a conspicuously colored hind end was named Scoptia beyoncei. Likewise, a mustache-shaped pattern on a Cameroonian spider earned it the nickname Pachygnatha zappa after absolute legend Frank Zappa. A nearly microscopic parasitic crustacean was named Nathia Marlee for being, quote, as uniquely Caribbean as Bob Marley. Synotheus Pink Floydy, a pistol shrimp, is louder than a rock concert at over 200 decibels simply by snapping its one oversized claw shut. The gall wasps have left the building, at least if they're of the variety, Presiacoila, I'm all shook up is. A fossilized mussel worm was named for rocker, author, spoken word artist, and my future husband, Henry Rollins. 
The wasp, Metallichnomon neurospasticus's genus, honors the band Metallica, while its species, Neurospastica, is Greek for master of puppets, alluding to the weak and mindless nature of the hosts it takes over. Actors get naming nods, too. Dominic Moynihan has a one-centimeter ginger spider named for him, Sinus Moynihani, after it was discovered during filming of the nature documentary Wild Things. After shamelessly begging on national television to have something named after him, late-night host and satirist Stephen Colbert became namesake to a dune-dwelling spider in Southern California, Aptustitious Stephen Colberti. A fluffy lemur on the island of Madagascar shares its name with fierce creature and python John Cleese, Avahi Cleese. The hosts of Top Gear each have a wasp in the genus Caravata named after them, Clarksoni, Hamondi, and James Mayi. Former First Lady of Argentina and well-traveled corpse Eva Perón has a moth named for her whose scientific name is simply Evita. Prince Albert I of Monaco is namesake to both a fish and a squid. A single genus of fish honors Bill Clinton, Al Gore, Jimmy Carter, and Teddy Roosevelt. The neck plate of a leaf-dwelling Madagascan praying mantis, Ilomantis Ginsbergae, is part of the reason it was named for Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the other reason being that it is the first mantis species with distinct female genitalia, and discoverers Branagh and Svensson wanted to honor Ginsburg's, quote, commitment to women's rights and gender equality. Sirindorn, second daughter of the monarch of Thailand, commonly referred to as Princess Angel, has been honored with a number of plants, several crustaceans, a butterfly, a bee, and a prehistoric tarsier. Similarly, Barack Obama's name has been stamped on several spider species, a few different fish, a blood fluke, bird, lichen, beetle, extinct reptile, horsehair worm, and a bee. He and wife Michelle were duly honored in the naming of the Teleogramma Obama-Orum fish. Terry Pratchett, whose Discworld series described the world as resting on the back of a giant turtle, is the namesake of the turtle species Thesphosphorus Terry Pratchetty. Shakespeare has a wasp named after him, while Henry David Thoreau has two. The author of Gulliver's Travels, Jonathan Swift, is the namesake of a fly that is, of course, quite tiny, while Herman Melville's name was given to a whale. Gene Roddenberry has a true bug. Arthur C. Clarke has a dinosaur. Neil Gaiman has a beetle. H.P. Lovecraft has a wasp. A chewing louse that only troubles owls was dubbed Strigophilius Gary Larceny. We'll hear some more about Gary Larson later. An extinct crab was named for Ray Harryhausen, the man who brought stop-motion monsters to life. J.R.R. Tolkien got a great deal of scientific love, in the form of a beetle, crustacean, two wasps, and a clam. In addition to the false-headed moth Erechtheus Beeblebroxy, Hitchhiker Guide author Douglas Adams has an ant named for him. But does that make it Adam Ant? I'll see myself out. There's also a triple-finned fish, named Fjord Ichthus Slartibartfasti. It should go without saying that there is great overlap between the lovers of science and the lovers of science fiction and other things kiki. Tolkien appears again with a shark named for Gollum, a cycloptic shark named for Sauron, an ancient croc called Balrogus, and an entire genus of quartered lizards named Smog. A tiny armored catfish from South America was christened Otisinclus Batmani. We don't know whether or not it fights crime at night. 
Harry Potter fans will want to steer clear of the Ampelex Dementor Wasp, who turns cockroaches into zombies. Science has given us spongiformi square pantsy, but it's not a sponge, it's a highly porous mushroom. A trilobite that reminded the discoverer of the faces of the two old curmudgeons in the Muppet Theater box was named Geragnostis Waldorf-Statlery. A newly discovered genus of wasp has each of its species named for a different house in Game of Thrones. Lelius Arini, Barathini, Lannistery, Martelli, Targaryeni, Talii, and Starkey. While scientists gave a name to cartoonist Gary Larson, they also borrowed one from him. A 1982 Farside cartoon showed a caveman leading a lecture on the dangers of dinosaurs, pointing to a slide of a Stegosaurus's spiked tail and saying, Now this end is called the Thagomizer, after the late Thag Simmons. The term became an informal but widely used anatomical term, being used by both the Smithsonian and the BBC. And no, we don't care at all that humans and Stegosauri lived 60 million years apart. As any lover of sci-fi will tell you, scientists don't always use their powers for good. A number of species are scuttling about the Earth with clapbacks, insults, and general misanthropy for names. Daniel Rolander was a student of Carl Linnaeus, who collected thousands of specimens in Suriname, but refused to turn them over to Linnaeus, intending to publish for himself. Linnaeus effectively had him blacklisted, and named a seed bug Aphinus Rolandri, Aphinus being Greek for ignoble or obscure. Two Swedish paleontologists, Elsa Warburg, a Jew, and Orvar Isberg, an overweight far-right socialist, were on unfriendly terms in the 1930s. Warburg named a trilobite Isbergia planifrons. Planifrons means with a flat forehead, which is Scandinavian for stupid. Isberg retaliated later with the mollusk Warburgia crassa. Crassa means fat. Cope and Marsh were paleontologists engaged in a fossil hunting war in the late 1800s. Marsh named an extinct aquatic lizard Mosasaurus copianus. Honest, simply meaning pertaining to, but probably not the thing that leaps to the average person's mind when they see A-N-U-S. In 1985, James Pakaluk cast a wide net when he named, wait for it, a beetle, genus Fodia, F-O-A-D, F off and die. Sometimes scientists plain run out of ideas. When one scientist reached his ninth species of leafhopper, he named it Erythronura ix, I-X, or nine in Roman numerals. Dr. W.D. Kierfot found so many species of Olathrudid moth that he eventually resorted to an alphabetical ascension. Eucosma bavona, cocona, dodona, fofona, and so on. And that's where we run out of ideas, at least for today. New species are discovered every day in the depths of the ocean, in the tallest trees of the jungle, even in densely populated cities. So next time you see a headline about a new species, check out the name you just might be able to get in on the joke. Thanks for spending part of your day with me.
Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe, and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.